0: So it is now 10 o'clock, and this is Christy Crespin. I'd like to welcome you all again to the ACB History Book Discussion Group. Today is July 6th, and anyone who knows July 6th knows that it is whose birthday? It is Jacobus Tenbrook's birthday today mm-hmm. just happens to fall on July 6th. Mm-hmm. And when COVID I was, Tenbrook. Roger, yeah. how are we going to get you to hear better? Um, okay, Bernice, you need to mute, please. Um, um, what I'm going to do is ask Chanel, our host, to uh, explain the details of etiquette, and then we will get started. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good
1: afternoon, everyone. If you wish to participate, I will go over the instructions for the PC first. Uh, You will raise your hand with Alt-Y, and then when I tell you to go ahead and ask your question, you will unmute with Alt-A. All of these are toggles, by the way. And if you're using a Mac, you will raise your hand with option Y, mute and unmute with command shift A. If you're using the iPhone app, you'll find raise hand under more in the lower right hand corner and mute is in the lower left hand corner. And on a telephone keypad, you will use star nine to raise your hand, star six to mute and unmute,
0: and please stay muted unless you are talking. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chanel. And also, um, again, to allow for everyone to be able to speak, I'd like for us to take no more than one, two minutes the most to um, ex- express ourselves, okay? And please wait to be called on by the host. So, um, who re- I, just as, a, as an aside, Larry or anyone, do you remember, David, do you remember where we left off last time? It
2: 1947. Wasn't it around the convention?
0: Okay, so, so I remember asking, where was the 1948 convention held and who were seen as important guests? I remember asking that question. Because the uh, answer was Baltimore, Maryland. Right. And the important guests were Congress.
2: Yes. That was near the end, so yeah.
0: Yeah. So in, in the... Seventh convention, Baltimore, Maryland, June 28, 1948. Um, during this convention, what did Tenbrook feel confident to proclaim? Think about the Constitution, a something for containing an ambitious roster of new demands for recognition and respect.
2: What's that called? I know what it's called, but my hand isn't up. Let me do that. Larry. Thank you. Go ahead. (laughs) A Bill of Rights.
0: Yes, sir. A Bill of Rights. And in his book, Marching Together, what did Madsen opine? About the convention and and the address that uh, was given by Tenbrook, he said it was a turning point. But why? He talked about the uh, dogs are barking. He talked about the emphasis on the need for employment, opportunity, and transformation of relief into rehabilitation. Relief into rehabilitation. That's really important for especially that time. And remember that they were, uh, they were talking about the, uh, the pension that they're, that they're fighting for, rather than having blind people receive, uh, uh, social security as a needs, um, and means test, um, NFB continued, and I believe continues to espouse that it would be better just to have an outright insurance or pension. So And we did talk about this. What was the three-point motto that was developed at this time, um, derived from this address by the uh, NFB? Three words. SEO, and it's on their um, what they send: security, equality, and opportunity. Um, I will get into a little bit of discussion, um, but. Uh, What do, I'm going to ask, what are some takeaways now I'm discussing from 1948 and 1949 to the 1952 convention? So between 1949 and 1952, Uh, What were some of your uh, takeaways, some of your thoughts, just briefly? Any hands, Chanel?
1: No, not currently. Oh, man.
0: Come on, you guys. (laughs) Help me here. Okay, so um, does anybody know about any problems that were starting to happen during um, this a convention or any successes? How many how many states were represented? In the 1948 convention. And who was the newest one?
1: Any no guesses? hands yet.
0: No guesses? Okay. Well, they added their number to one state, they added their number one state, Kentucky, to 27 affiliates. And the problem was that the uh, Blinded Veterans Association continued in its belief of separatism, indicating it could not join with other, it could not join with other veterans organizations because it would be overwhelmed by the numbers, swallowed up, and it could not join with other civilian organizations like NFB because of because the blind uh because the blinded veterans did not yet possess the maturity of experience and knowledge of problems of the blinded veterans. I guess the blind didn't have that maturity and experience and knowledge to understand what blinded veterans went through. However, the BVA was in agreement that there were many areas in which they could cooperate together between uh, civilian and blinded veterans and those were uh, such as better rehabilitation efforts, higher education, and employment opportunities. What was the controversy that signified the future problems between the NFB and Office of Rehabilitation at this time? Hi, Christy. It was. A, go ahead. Hi, hi, Christy. Okay, we're raising hands if we want to talk. Thank you. So anybody have uh, any idea of what happened between NFB and the Office of Rehabilitation? Christy, this is Livy. Uh-huh. Um, but you need to raise your hand to be okay. called
1: on, please. Here we go. Yep, and Livy has raised okay. her hand. Okay, thank you. Okay,
0: sorry, babe. Um, I'm going to guess it had something to do with when you made your event, your um, like your IEP, you know, your location plan. That rehab was, you know, trying to tell you you need to do this, this, and this, and. NFB was trying to say, no, we need to make our decisions independently of of rehab. In other words, we need need the freedom to choose whatever vocation we want to go into. Okay. That was a good, some good idea. Um, But specifically, it had to do with the business enterprise program. Oh, okay. BEP, yeah. And there was a big um, argument between... NFB and the Office on Rehabilitation regarding 11 points um, protecting the interests of the individual operators of the vending stands um, and other enterprises. And they fought for, um, for these points. And after the report was given by NFB um, um the uh the office of vocational rehabilitation set aside the the guy joseph clunk i think that's his name set aside his prepared remarks and launched into an attack on the 11 points as um Quote, wrong-headed and unacceptable. The differences of opinion crystallized the central problem between, quote, system, end quote, and the NFB. Klunk's opposition was based on his assertion that, quotes, love this, no one in society has independence. And therefore, it was unrealistic for blind for the blind to endeavor to become independent. In quotes, the argument and criticism erupted from the floor of the convention. Um, quote objecting that his defeatist sheltered employment program violated and uh, violated the American tradition of democratic and independent uh, uh, democratic independence and more mature responsibility what a time to be alive can you imagine being at that convention you know how riled up we get now about things I almost wish I was there but I'm almost glad I wasn't. So, does anyone want to t- think about what other interactions what other actions took place during this convention? Herbie has his hand up. Okay, Herbie.
3: So, I'm just curious more about that last statement. Unfortunately, I did not have an opportunity to actually read the book, so I'm just more listening. But that statement about nobody in society is independent, did he, was there any ever explanation on where that premise came from? Because that's a little bit outlandish.
0: Well, that was the argument given by Joseph Plum. And it and is outlandish. That
3: we're all slaves. I mean, I. Mean, yeah. I, I, I yeah, that, that's a very problematic uh, argument. And, you know, that you know, sounds to me like it's, it's an attempt to keep everybody down. down. And that is actually very un-American in the sense that, you know, he's implying we all have our proper places in life. And the right. idea of the American system was to get away from the European class structure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Anybody else? Thank you.
1: There are no raised hands at the okay. moment.
0: What are some other actions that um, took place during this convention? So there was a presidential um, instruction to appoint a special committee to give further consideration um to setting up an ACB publication. And so at this point, a motion was passed to give all affiliates um, that they should follow California's example of devoting a portion of white cane donations receipts to support the legislative supplement of, quote, all-story Braille magazine, in quotes. And that was the magazine of the American Brotherhood for the Blind. Um, George Card was elected first vice president, and that name will be uh, a prominent name featured in the history of ACB. And uh, George Card was given the responsibility of writing solicitation letters to be sent in the mail for the NFB. So he also assumed the role of running the White Cane Program fundraiser. So no literature or letter could be distributed without his approval and signature. Can you imagine everything having To go through one person. No matter who that person is. You could get in. Deep trouble. Whatever that was at that time. I don't know. Maybe being kicked out. um, For. Expressing your own opinion. On behalf of the NFB. Comments, questions? Larry has his hand up. Larry?
2: Well, this seems to be, and I, I read the book long time ago, and I read it mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago more recently, but that seems to be a pervasive thread that goes from the beginning in NFP to, I don't know if it goes through to today, maybe not to the degree it used to. I think it seems that pre- the present regime is beginning to be a little more open and to at least allow, based on what we've seen more recently, uh, the chance for at least some discussion with other groups that might have opinions contrary to their own. But it happened. It was almost like we we will we, we'll, we'll form a committee, but only one person's really going to have the chance. Now, maybe the committee talked about it, but still the autocratic rule that Mm -hmm. we hear about where one person has the ability to sign off on stuff and or to approve um, would be dictatorial in other parts of the world. At least that's the way we would see it. (laughs) And I I see that going for decades in NFB, Mm -hmm. for decades. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's loosened up, I don't know enough about NFB to make such a comment, but it seems to have at least based on what we've seen more recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anyone else? There are no raised hands. Okay. So who was George Card? He was born in 1898 and he passed in 1982. Anybody else have any uh Discussion, idea of who George Card was? When did he start? When did he start his involvement in the Federation? Was he, was he blind at birth or did he lose his vision and how so? Where did he live? Where did he graduate from, and what was his degree? Okay, so no hands. Uh, I, I, I gathered that. So from Wisconsin, George Carve Card was active since it's the early days of the NFB. He lost his sight at the age of six when the neighbor accidentally shot him. <laughs> and the other eye was blinded when he was 33 years old in an automobile accident. He graduated with uh, his law degree from the University of Wisconsin. And uh, he was a member of Phi. Beta Kappa Society. His career path included county supervisor, small business owner, lawyer, and manager of an automatic machine merchandising and wholesale firm. He was active in local politics and In his community, he became an active member of the NFB in 1940. He later joined the ACB, traveling around the United States uh, er, um, organizing. Sorry, put it. Oh, I, I. I put a U there, organizing affiliates. He was editor of the NFB's Braille Monitor and was later editor of the Braille Forum and wrote the popular column here and there. Anybody recognize that column here and there in the Braille Forum? He was involved as executive secretary of the Wisconsin Council of the Blind, member of ACB Board of Directors and delegate to the World Council for Welfare of the Blind. In 1968, he was ACB's first representative uh, First recipient, sorry, of the George Card Award. So that's George Card. Anybody have any comments, thoughts, opinions? Think he did very much in his life?
1: Livy has her hand up. Hey, okay, Livy. You will need to unmute with Alt A. Livy, we can't hear you. You'll need to use Alt A or command. Bar. I'm sorry. Yeah, he sounded like
0: he sounded like a lot of uh, some folks. Uh, uh, you know some of our ACB folks today, leadership, and even mm-hmm. some here in our state mm-hmm. in California. Can you imagine the energy? Oh my, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. What bill did President Truman um, veto? It was, was
2: this- H. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, The Taft-Hartley bill, was that correct?
0: It was H.R. 6818, which Archibald called the last desperate move of the Social Security Administration to deny the blind exempt earnings for which they splendidly worked. Tenbrook wrote, "Quotes in history in history of presidential vetoes, few compare with this one for misunderstanding of the character and the problem and solution in the measure." in quotes. He then answered the points of the veto encouraged and encouraged his followers to quote, fight on and not be discouraged by the president's illogical, unfactual and unworthy attack upon the patient struggle of a deprived group of blind persons to gain a slender uh, footing on the threshold of economic opportunity. This strengthened the resolve of the NFB to continue the fight. Does anybody remember um, when they talked about the Heinz VA hospital in Chicago? Um, It was important because the first blind patient arrived after the end of the Baltimore convention, and uh, his name was uh, okay and the the director was Russell C Williams who was beginning to basically develop a great reputation for himself as um, as uh, in his tenure of chief of rehabilitation of the of the blind. Uh, Williams lost his sight in 1944 during the war, and he had great empathy and became to to be known as um, talking with with the families, the patients, and addressing and looking at their struggles. It was Uh, The the hospital was tripled in size in 1951. And during the Korean War, there were 500 blinded um, in that war. And the size of the ward went from 18 to 54. So the VA hospitals started gaining in, in prominence and Thankfully, how they had a blind guy leading this, I'm, I'm astounded that they would allow for such a thing. From your calendar, call with Nancy. Starts in 30 minutes. Okay um, so at the end of the decade, Matson wrote something about the first decade of the NFB and so what does he, um, what does he say about the the National Federation of the Blind and its first decade? Nobody? Uh Nope. Okay. So, he basically said And um, so he he basically said that the during these years the Federation continued to expand and mature. However, minutes and memos and letters by Durward McDaniels indicate that there was quote, remarkable work being done in this period by a dedicated handful of energetic and talented NFB leaders working in harmonious collaboration. Um, So basically at that point, This is where the um, kind of strife seems to be starting. Something happened in February of 1949. Um, Where was the convention um, going to take place in 1949? 1949. And what was the significance of this uh, in terms of basically time period? And um, so people who live in Colorado got to have the first chance of the convention being held in their home state and it was held earlier because the uh, because dates were already taken for the time period that they wanted, and then there was a special transportation. Do um, you guys remember about the Rock Island Railroad? Any train buffs might have wanted to have been on that train during that convention um, because uh, Tenbrook encouraged people to go uh, to Denver by various routes on the Rock Island Railroad special cars that were being um, given for it was a Rocky Mountain Rocket um so there were special agents and uh, people to assist, and the fares would be uh, lowered for blind travelers and their uh, sighted guides. So anybody want to comment on that? Yes, Debbie Green has her hand raised. Oh, good. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, sure.
4: Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a train buff. Okay. Uh, I'm like you, uh, like you just commented. I would have loved to have been a part of that. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking about the um, the incredible um, logistics um, challenge that would have been uh, for people to. And we're we're talking at a time, you know, when people you weren't emailing and having or instant kind of like- contact, you know, but for people to know where to where to get the train and how many people is going to be getting on at this location and where you get off and It 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 had to have been a blast. It's kind of almost like a pre conference conference, you know, because everybody on the train would have been getting to know each other and partay. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It wouldn't be a wouldn't be a bad idea to do it again sometime, (laughs) just for fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just for fun. Yeah. Can you imagine all of us coming during a train? Yeah, that would make some interesting news.
4: It would just be. It would almost just be a fun activity just to do. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah. Yeah. A freedom ride. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who, who's gonna? Who's gonna? Uh, put put that idea forth. That would be an interesting publicity fundraiser. Yeah. Uh, I thought that. Yeah. You know, Fundraising. ACB.
1: Uh huh. You have another raised hand. Herbie has
3: it. I heard Okay, I would so go to convention that way if they had the uh Rocky, you know, that, that railroad that would be so much fun. You know, I, I, I like trains, and uh, no, they're not as quick as airplanes, but they can be more relaxing, and they've also usually have better food, but uh, um, or, yeah, or I, food now, or what you
0: would have food,
3: yep, you, you <laughs> would. but um. I would say I, that that would be a very interesting way to uh, go to convention and just to experience something like that. You know, I I'd go to no matter which organization that, you know, did it, I, I'd so uh, give that a try because that sounds like it would be interesting, though I can't help but wonder what it's going to be. You know, if you've ever been to a real convention, um, I remember at the uh, state convention a couple of years ago for the NFB, That I went to. I remember a mess up, a big tangle up in the hallways of guide dogs and cane users.
0: Kirby, have you ever been to a national convention of any kind?
3: I have not. (gasps) Oh, you got to do it. I've done the virtual one um, last year.
0: There's nothing like being present at a national convention. And I've been to NFB and ACB, and they are very different from each other. Um I'll just say that. They're
3: very different from each other. I noticed that even on the state level.
0: Yeah. Larry has his
1: hand up. Larry?
2: I would I would venture to say it because I had to go when I was working for Marriott and Mar one of Marriott's sons was on the board of NFB. And so we, we went to dialogue and we went to network, but we still got the convention flavor. And there's nothing like having Pretty close to, if not more than, 3,000 blind people at a convention. And, I mean, and the hotel was huge. It was, you know, like in Houston, Texas. And so the hotels had to be huge. And it, it was wall-to-wall people. We had the whole hotel. And also at night, during parties, we had the whole hotel. And I've never seen anything like it. And I've been to tons of other national conventions with other organizations that were sighted people. John and I were the norm the We're, were not mm-hmm. the norm, the exception. We might have been one of maybe or two of maybe ten blind people, if that, mm-hmm. at the convention. So in this case, it was all wall-to-wall blind people, and it was fascinating to watch how other blind people operated, some very well, some not so well, uh, and, and also what they did to make sure that people got to wherever they needed to go fairly quickly and i mean they had guides and people saying this way to general session (laughs) remember yeah Yeah. oh yeah and it was it, it was an amazing thing but it all got done it was just a little different than what i had expected but it was a fascinating week if you've never been to an acb convention or an nfb convention that's in person you need to try it at least once Go to both. Yep, go to both.
0: Sure. See the difference. See the difference
1: in the flavor. Yeah. Debbie Green has her hand raised. Debbie. All
4: the audio So,
1: so in twenty two,
4: we are doing in person. Do we know where and the date so we can start planning already?
0: Um, Omaha. It's Omaha, but it
2: hasn't been officially announced yet that it's in person. Uh
0: Okay. Not yet. We don't, and we don't know. Yeah, we know it's supposed to be Omaha. We don't, I don't even know if we know the dates. Okay. Yeah, they have the um, dates.
2: Oh, do they? Yeah, but they haven't made an announcement yet as to whether it's going to be in person. It definitely will be virtual. It could be in person.
0: Oh. So it could be a hybrid. Could be.
2: It could be a hybrid. Good.
0: Okay. So thank you. Um, so what else happened during this time was that a memo from Tinbrook. Um, was talking about HR 2892 uh, that was introduced to abolish Title Ten of the Social Security Act, quotes and create a Goliath catch-all program of public welfare in which um, identity the identity of the blind would be lost and provisions for their special needs and problems would be obliterated by a maze of rules and regulations designed for other classes of aid recipients. Um, So every special provision For the blind existing in state laws would be wiped out within two years. The blind would be lumped and scrambled and confused in with the general assistance program, giving aid to the aged, to juvenile delinquents, to unemployed, as well as to the city, (laughs) prostitute, and town derelict, and the village idiot. Efforts are being made to rush the bill through committee without due consideration. Action is vital, in quotes, he said. Um, This resulted in a major action in the and the bill was defeated. Thankfully, uh, Perry Sunquist from California pointed out that uh, the merits of casts and casts aid to the potentially. Oh, a Cali- oh, sorry, it has a weird thing. California's um, aid to the potentially self supporting blind APSB, um, which had been in existence for six years before this. And on March 4th, Archibald presented a well. Researched and written um, article to the House Ways and Means Committee that vigorously protested the passage of HR 2892, calling for Title X to be retained quote as a separate title dealing exclusively with the blind based on the accumulated experiences with aid programs, in quotes. Subsequently, a joint letter organized by Archibald and signed by R.B. Irwin, uh, Executive Director of AFB, uh, Archibald and Tenbrook um, were the signatories. That um, and Alfred Allen and Peter J. Salmon of AAWB. This was presented one time that we all united. They included nine pages of proposals and amendments for the improvement of Title X rather than uh, Title X being removed. Good thing. Does that have bearing on our history today? Any comments?
1: No raised hands, and it is twelve forty-five or one
3: forty-five
0: yes. or 1045.
3: <laughs> whatever. Yes.
0: <laughs> what was Durwood K. McDaniel's role? Um, how did it increase and change? So here's Durwood. He has the convention in Oklahoma. Now they're in Denver. What, does anybody remember what kind of duties and, and things Durwood was asked to do? So he was asked to address the integration of blind people, and he was to address the common, combining aids and services to the blind into single agency and combining administration of aid to the blind and uh, to the blind with the administration of aid to the aged and crippled children and other groups. McDaniels only Child, Ruth was born during May of 1949. So he um, um, also AAWB had proposed legislation on a federal level um, that NFB was violently opposed to regarding agencies for the blind working with the blind. So the 1949 convention was held in Denver. And as a result of the 1949 convention, um, There was uh, the founding of the Ameri- of the Oklahoma Federation News, which was the first special periodical in the country produced for blind readers on sound recordings and edited. Um, Um, he edited the quarterly magazine, Viewpoints, and Ink Print Publication of Oklahoma Federation of the Blind. So, Durward here is being this little energy house doing all these cool things. And he also promoted seminars to teach members of the organizations how to serve more effectively. He chaired a committee on affiliate standards which focused on developing a method regarding how state groups could work more effectively with the national office of the national federation of the blind i remember durward did not stay with the nfb but you can see that his his he made great efforts in the area of uniting the NFB. Any comments quickly? Because we have like 11 minutes left.
1: There are currently no raised hands. No hands?
0: Okay. So there was a lot of collaboration uh, between McDaniel's and Tenbrook, they though they were different in talents, they had a warm relationship and respect for one another at that time. And also, Card attended the the Oklahoma. Uh, Card attended the Oklahoma convention that Archibald and Tenbrook could not attend. Because of initi- initiatives in California, things that were going on in California. Remember, California is the rebel. You know, what generally, yeah, I think it's well known that throughout the nation, California is known for kind of being the early catalyst and things happening. So... Um, at this time, we notice that the top four leaders of the NFB are Tenbrook, Archibald, McDaniel, and Card. And what was the summation of Tenbrook's opinion of the first decade of the NFB? He said it was a prepar- preparatory time for later achievements. You
1: have a hand raised, 331057, or area code 331,
0: sorry. Okay. And who are you? Yeah, this is Stephanie. And uh, I think oh, uh, it, is, uh, it, uh, it is so much involved in our world, The sport, uh, I mean, especially the um, ACB and uh uh, I mean, all they, all they have done for the, all they have done for the community. Mhm. Mhm. Yes. Uh, thank you. And in 1965 at the convention speech Dr. Tinbroke gave, he stated that the 1940s were a time of building from a scattering of seven states at the first convention. In 1940, in Pennsylvania, to 28 states in the first decade, um, NFB proved its organizational capacity, established its representational character, and initiated legislative programs on the state and national levels. So that's a lot that happened during the first 10 years of the NFB. Uh, So I'm going to stop at um, 1950 um, where the ninth convention of the NFB was held. in Chicago and I'd like to get people's takeaways and hopefully people will read, um, you know, starting from this point to the end of the chapter, because I do want to have some, even a, a little bit of a, a philosoph- philosophical, discussion, um, friendly philosophical discussion next week. So, any comments as we uh, approach the end of today, July sixth? Yes, Livy has her hand raised. Livy,
1: and you'll need to unmute. All the
4: audio now unmuted.
0: What chapter do we have to finish reading? This is chapter two. Okay. Thank Chapter you. two is two and a half hours long basically. Okay. And it is so packed with stuff. And you know, it's really difficult to say what what's important and what's not important because mm-hmm. we're learning about new people. We're learning about events that took place that have a bearing today on our our laws. On a policy, on philosophical beliefs, uh, both similarities and differences. Debbie Green has her hand raised. Debbie,
4: yeah, I, I want to just thank you for what you're doing here. This is the first time I've read the first time I've read the book, and I'm a, I'm a little ahead, but I'm going to back up and and read some more. But it sounds like these first ten years absolutely laid a very solid foundation for acb going forward
0: it it laid a thank you it laid a solid foundation for the blindness movements
1: yes that's true
0: and where would we be today without those pioneers absolutely
4: and they, and they clearly, I mean, again, back in a day when communication wasn't nearly as easy as it is for us, uh, the, the way that they were able to uh, connect with all those different states and, and gather up people and have an organization and have all new affiliates. And it's pretty amazing what they accomplished in a 10-year period.
0: Most definitely amazing. Thank you. Any other comments? Questions, thoughts?
1: Larry has his hand raised. I would Where? just
2: I would just say that a chapter like this.
1: And you're muted, Larry.
2: <sighs> I didn't mute myself. Sorry. Uh-oh. That's okay. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um <laughs> um that's why I love having a mixer. I always know what state it's in. But sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's the way it yeah. goes. In any event, I I would say that there are advantages and disadvantages to Chapter 2 being so packed, full of stuff. One problem that we have, most of us, except for Roger Bernice, who were around in the 70s, and you, is that none of us were there. and. And then so when we go back and we look at Chapter 2, it is loaded with so much stuff. It's like, okay, what do I remember? What do I try to remember? Because it's packed full of so much stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is an issue. And you have to re- try and remember stuff, especially if you've read it two to three weeks ago. i read it mm-hmm. twice now, two or three times. Uh, that won't be the case as much with some of the other chapters uh, going yeah. forward. There's less... Stuff being packed, and there's some. Then you're getting closer and closer to the actual issue of of NFB versus AB, ACB and some of the stuff that was going on. So it's going to be easier, but but we do need at least to have some people. Even if you don't know, you know, guess at what you think might be important based on what you've read, because the the idea of full discussion is so much better than having Christy having to. Actually, just say to people, "Well, what was the question?" And then she has to give the answer to her own question. You know, sometimes you got to just make the leap and say, "Well, here's what I think based on what I read."
0: So hopefully, people will uh, challenge you and in a in a healthy way. uh, Read chapter two, and don't and don't go into any other chapter. Just read all of chapter two and And basically, from what what are your salient points of chapter two and there there is a philosophical discussion that I do want to lead um, for maybe ten ten minutes or so um next week on on an issue um, regarding what people think about blindness <laughs> You know, is it a nuisance? Is it only a nuisance and to be treated as such and not to be involved in in what your uh, life status is or does it have a, a direct impact on who you are as a person? All right, so it is time to say goodbye. I thank all of you who joined us today. Um, I Especially, I know that... Um, Don Queen and Bernice Kandarian and Roger Peterson were on the call, um, who are wonderful historians for us. And we'll be hearing from them. And also, I'd like to thank Chanel for hosting us today. Blessings and until next time. Thank this is you. Kristen